During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. What? Huh? Sorry, sir, you'll have to speak up over all the compliments I've been getting about my movement watch. You've heard us talk about movement watch for years, literally, because they're great and they're just like us, a business founded by two kids who thought they could do better. Movement is affordable, stylish, and make Kevin look good. Kevin, do you look good? Yeah. Yeah, he does. But you know what else they do? They make holiday shopping easy. These watches make the perfect purchase for just about anyone in your life, guy or girl. And remember, they started just $95. Get yourself a movement watch and then you can monitor all the time you're saving by not going to the mall to buy some lame gift for your dad that he won't like. Nobody likes those shaving things where you go there and they're like, here's a bu- bucket of bolts. <laughs> I don't even what you ever been in one of these shaving shops at the mall. Like, what are they doing there? There's other places you can get those online, too. You could also just buy an electric. You know what? Movement watches started just $95 at a department store. You're looking at 400 to 500 bucks. Movement figured out by selling online. They were able to cut out the middleman and the retail markup, providing the best possible price. Just don't go to the mall. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash kinda. Buy them now and skip the holiday hassle. That's movement. MVMT.com slash kinda. Join the movement. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Games Cast, episode 144. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Greg? Nothing much. And over there, the Hispanic heartthrob, Andres Cortez. Como estas? Oh! Uh, we had to hide it from you last week when Tim wasn't on the show. He's but dead. now, two weeks in, he, he is dead. <laughs> it sucks. We have been running, we've been burning through our old Tim content when he was alive, thinking yeah. nobody would notice. We but, had like a long uh, backlog of stuff that Tim was in. Where it's like, just whatever we got, put it on there. Yeah. Suddenly it's like, oh, here's Tim without a beard. Here's Tim remember with a beard. When, remember when he didn't have a beard? Yeah. Like, that wasn't from recently. That's when he didn't have a beard when he was 13 years old. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's been a lot of weird, like, comp well. and green screening. <laughs> he hasn't aged <laughs> he has well. Not, no. He has not. Uh, so, yeah, we're doing the Kind of Funny Games cast. If you didn't know, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast each and every week. Three, sometimes four, sometimes two, sometimes just one. <laughs> Best friends gather on this table, each coming and talk about what they love in the world of video games. <laughs> if you like that, you can head over to patreon.com slash games and get the show early. How early, Andrew, Renee? You can get it four days early. Yeah, well, that, that counts. So that's true, I think. Doesn't that count? Yeah, Isn't that right? Yeah, no, she nailed it. Well, you can watch it live like so many people are doing right now on YouTube's private link that we give out to people on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. If you don't want to watch it live, though, you could still watch it early on Friday. <laughs> we put it up as one big video and MP3, and then the Monday, it goes up for everybody. Everybody has a good time. The post and pre-shows where all of the dirt is spilled. That's the best content that we make. See, don't do that. You're we, riling everyone up. We tell all the people not all that the good. secrets, dude. 
So many people all are upset. But you, Who killed JFK? All that stuff we talk about. They, whatever happened with that? They released those documents, but nothing, nothing good, nothing new came out of it? They held a couple documents. They held a couple documents back? Uh, oh, you know, so. <laughs> it turns out right. JFK, he was run over. That's what really happened. Didn't see a car coming. Wow. Didn't see a red light. I was going to say. He was the president. Do you understand? Can you show some soon. respect? Okay. Is it too soon? <laughs> 1963 was like yesterday to us. All right. Oh, you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah. Don't don't get the nervous, Beatles, man. man. Uh, I haven't hosted this show in a proper format in a while, so I guess shout out to our supreme overlord, Tom Bach. Is he still doing it? It wasn't on the calendar, but I, I think Tom Bach is just at... Tom Fucking Bach has Tom done that Bach. thing on Patreon where he's just supporting at a level and he's just like... Whatever you guys give me, you give me. And we're like, all right. Like, I don't know. This, he's Tom making Bach his own level. He's really a great person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We talk about sports all the time. We sure do. And he's a Cowboys fan and he's a Spurs fan. Oh, okay. Therefore, he's better than everybody else. Wow, that's harsh. I mean, it's facts. You're allowed to have your own opinion. Facts. Donuts. A wrong one, yeah. A wrong opinion. You know what I mean? He does bring donuts. Spurs fan. Cowboys fan. <laughs> time for what you've been playing to start this show. Andy, what have you been playing? Not much, man. <laughs> I play I've been playing like slowly stumbling through Mario Odyssey. Mm. Uh where are you at right now? I just got through New Donk City. Nice. And so I'm at the crossroads of the beach level or the whatever level, sure. the ice level. Yeah, yeah. And so I picked the beach one. Yeah. You love um, the sun. Gee, Mario I'm nipples. just gonna drink a yeah, Mario nipples exactly. A couple of pina coladas. Yeah. Um I'm really liking it. And I don't really have a... Sh I don't love it. Why, really? But I really, really like it. It's okay. just not a game that's blowing my mind. And it could have been because I heard everybody's reviews come out and it was so overhyped for me. It's a really awesome collectathon. There's tons of great... Oh, that's a good way to put it. There's tons of great mechanics that are clever and awesome. And I'm glad that each new mechanic that they bring into the fold is kind of surprising and cool and... Um, but it's not a game that I'm like overly blown away by. Mm. I, I'm, I love it. It's charming and joyful as hell, sure. but it's just nothing that, uh, I'd say it's in my top five this year, but I don't think it's a game of the year candidate. Interesting. I am. O. I am. But that's I am. O. your O's could be different than my O's. And that's your eyes I, could be different than your eyes. Yeah. They, I mean, they are. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> they definitely are. Andrew, where, where are you at with Mario Odyssey? Have not started it yet. Mm. Well, maybe. So here's the thing. Maybe mm. my review right now just brought your expectations down. Yeah, it's it so that when you did. do play it, it'll be a little bit higher. So here's the thing. I've been a long time big fan of the Super Mario franchise. The last few haven't really grabbed me in a way that I've been compelled to finish them. Um, and I don't know if that's because the art style is, you know, very close to the way it's been for the last few decades and that um, the whimsy is kind of lost a little bit on me. It doesn't have the same magic. Are you talking about the Wii U World one? I'm talking about Mario like, since 64, or right? Like since yeah, 64, he's looked the like, same. Oh, no, yeah. she's talking about, she said the last two games. No, the last few. Oh, the Sorry. last few. Okay. Um, whether it be on 3DS or Wii U or Wii. It just like there's they were good. I mean, I played a lot of Super Mario 3D Land. I think that was might have been the last one I finished on 3DS. Um, but like none of the Wii U games I finished, and obviously I haven't started Mario yet. I'm obviously very excited to start it. Yeah. Love Mario, but I haven't been like compelled to start it. 
And I'm not quite sure why. I well, can't like put my finger on it. I think one takeaway you'll have from once you finally get into it is that this game has a ton of different art styles. And it's a, it's a mishmash of realistic fucking looking dinosaur and then like colorful weird looking people and then like Does it work? <laughs> yeah. It's weird so. but it works. It's yeah. odd. It's 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 odd. Is see. Ah, <laughs> nice one. No, I be I be the only odd I see, Kevin. Oh, Jesus god. No. I beat it on Sunday. And uh, I'm still in love with it. And I, like that's the compliment I can pay it, right? To what you're talking about. Like you're I think you're right in the terms of like you're talking about it, like it's just this joyful experience. That's the way I describe it, right? And like I've, I was talking about on Kind of Funny Games Daily this week that I, th I think it's my game of the year now. I think it's superseded Horizon, which is interesting because I want to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, the Frozen Wilds. But beating that game, like when when we were getting ready to do it on Extra Life and you guys stopped me, you're like, well, don't ruin it for a minute. All right, fine. I ran around. I came home, took my nap after Extra Life and then started playing again. I was like, I'm going to beat Bowser. See what this end game everybody keeps talking about is. Everybody's like, oh, the end game's so good. I'm going to beat this. See the, so what the end game is. Stop it and then pick it up when we go to Extra Life in Maryland. We're flying out tomorrow. And, I'm like, and I'll be excited to you know, play, play something on the plane. But I'm going to beat this and then move over to Frozen Wild. Start that. And beat it. Opened up the first you know thing of the end game there or whatever. And like literally after 45 minutes, I had to be like, no, I got to put it down. Like I, I got it was so holy shit. Really? This is what's where we're going right now. And like to be there and exploring and see how they've uh, what opens up and how they're doing certain things. It's hard to talk about without spoiling it, right? And I don't yeah. need to set the bar too high either, but it's just it, like, and that's even with Timmy, like the end game is awesome or like what happens after the credits is awesome. I was like, all right, whatever. It is awesome and it's really cool and it tugged at a lot of uh, different strings on me that made me totally like, I, I got to stop playing now, but it was always just another, oh, just another moon. Oh, just another moon. I'll do a little bit more. I want to see this. Well, this will be in the new goalpost to end it. And so I've then struggled now throughout this week to play other stuff and not come back to Mario. Like to, I want to hold it for the flight. Because I, I really do feel like in the way people who loved Zelda, and I love Zelda, Breath of the Wild, I loved, but when I beat when I beat Ganon, I really did feel like, cool, the game is over. I don't feel compelled to go after and just find shrines like that. I felt like the shrines were helping me on my journey to beat Ganon. I've beaten Ganon. I'm done. Whereas with Mario, being a collectathon and being unabashedly a collectathon, I really do feel like this is now the everlasting gobstopper for me on the Switch where it's going to be cool. I'm flying or I do have 15 minutes and I am in this one sp specific place where I'm just going to tool around on my switch. I'm going to do that and have that for months and months to come now, I feel like. And that's why I think it's been hard this week not to jump back into the end game and go explore and answer a few more questions I have and like put it off until the plane ride tomorrow, which I'm going to fight myself not to sleep during to actually stay up and play this game, which is different and weird. Like I like, I love so many Vita games and I'm excited to play them, but I don't think I, for most Vita games I was playing on planes, I don't feel like I ever was like, fuck, I can't wait to be awake <laughs> on this six hour flight playing this game. And that's what Zelda did for me when we first got it. And I was running through and like the plane rides melted. But this game, the reason I feel so enamored with it is just because people, you know, are talking about how, oh, it's too easy. Oh, it's, it, you know, it is just collect-a-thons. For me, all that boils down to, oh, it is just gameplay where I do, I like the reward of, oh, there's a, there's a moon up there. Like, how the fuck am I going to get that? Oh, I do this. What, what if I threw the cat and blah, blah, blah. Or like, the, oh, there, there's, there's races in there that I did during the game or whatever that I just couldn't beat. And I was like, I'll come back to this later. Like, the little mini challenges in there are some are so easy sometimes and then so different ever uh, other times. And 
I feel like every time I play it and I do these like lots of times it is just okay beat this boss okay go through and you know race these fucking turtles other times you go into things and I tweeted this out so it's only a spoiler I guess if you haven't seen my tweets but even then it's not even a real spoiler but it's one of those like what a brilliant fucking idea on something I can't wait to do where after credits in the the next world you go to uh, you run into this uh, I think it was I think it was one of the uh, toadstool people what are their names. Toads, Toads race. <laughs> it's the one of the toads that isn't toad. The mushroom people from the so mushroom kingdom. They're like all toads. Yeah, so there's toads. Yeah, there's yeah. toads. All right, cool. So I, you know, I toad and toad at, but then you got a million, and then you got a million. And we got Captain Toad. There's just a lot of toads happening. <laughs> you run into one of him, right? And he challenges you basically. Like you, the screen goes to an overhead view, and it's Mario, like a picture of Mario. And he's like, "All right, cool. What's going to happen is we're going to erase all the features." and drop a whole bunch of like basically cutouts of what it would be and you reassemble the face and you'll get a score based on how close you are to really doing Mario and you need yeah, I forget what it is you need like a 45 to be able to pass this and get a moon and it's like okay and so sure enough it g- drops all this stuff the face disappears and like there's like fake out eyes and fake out eyebrows and all this other stuff and you you're you use the cap to capture the piece walk it in and then you, you have 360 degrees of rotation so you're trying to match it perfectly and do it and like there's the outline of the uh, head and like you can see where things are spo- uh, you, you know Mario's like basic layout and like his cap is still there I forgot what I got I get the moon that was great that was brilliant and he's like, all right, come back anytime. So I come back again. He's like, all right, cool. Now you need a score of 80. I'm like, all right, no problem. I was like at 75 on the first run. Do it. But this time it's just the outline. They take away all the colors, all the pigmentation of hair and this. So like now I'm just walking these pieces in blindly putting them down. And it's like, what a goofy, stupid thing that I can't wait to get back to and see how much further it goes and how and like not even how much further it goes in terms of how many times I can do that. Cause I figure I assume what's going to happen the next time is that they erase even the outline. I just have a blank white thing and have to reassemble Mario's face in there. But then when I start playing and get deeper and go back to worlds and go to areas that were inaccessible before, what other completely unexpected mechanics are going to be there for me. And I love that part of it and I just love playing it and it feels so, it is so fluid and it feels so good to play and so free to play. And it is like, running around doing a mission, but there's an acorn and I know I need to take that to those planters over there. So pause this thing to run over the I don't know. It's just a world I want to exist in and a game I want to exist. in. I love that Nintendo just has an a l- fucking unending leash to just make whatever the fuck they want. Right. And nobody's going to call them out on it or question it because it's just Nintendo and it's fun. Yeah. And it's like a goofy world that has that pays no respect to like physics or creatures. Yeah. Or it's just weird looking shit all every all over the place. And it's just like, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> and to your question, Andrea, of like how do all the styles work, right? If they're so different, it really is the fact that every world has its own vibe. And I feel that those world vibes are built around the people you're going to possess there. So every world, whether it's big or small or, you know, or I should say one, whether it's the biggest or one of the smaller ones feels rewarding in the way that you're in there. And it's like every inch of this has been designed with how I'm going to play it in mind. Mm-hmm. And the, the number of times I've jumped up to something and I'm about to run through a warp pipe and I look over there, I'm like, why is there that platform or why is there a corner tucked over there and you go over there and even if it's just invisible coins are there and they just start spouting off for you it's like the game respects your time it respect it, it and it respects you for respecting and understanding what it is of the fact of no explore every inch of this we didn't waste anything there's no you're not just gonna if there seems to be like nothing that way run that way there's going to be something where whether it's a place to butt pound and get a moon or whether it is just a coin or 
So many, it's just so, it's so magical. That's really That's exciting to hear because I was kind of burnt by the Breath of the Wild because uh, while there are plenty of people out there who are going to disagree with me, I felt like there was a lot of exploration that, that, in that game that was not rewarding or the rewards were very unsatisfying. Like I'm going to walk all the way up this hill or climb, take the time to spend all the stamina to climb the this mountainside and like maybe the most I'm going to get out of it is like a single Korok seed. Mm. And I just felt like a lot of that in Breath of the Wild just felt um, like redundant. It mm. felt like there was a lot of art assets that were re reused. It felt like there was uh, I would walk down these long pathways and then I would come across like a single enemy um, unless it was at night and then you know you'd get the same bone guys that you're fighting like everywhere you go in the world. And so it's really refreshing to hear that you felt like the exploration that was incorporated into Mario, which we haven't really seen in a lot of Mario titles done in a meaningful way recently, um, that it is enticing and it draws you and it feels rewarding. I guess one thing I told Greg the other day was, was that I enjoy the exploration of Breath of the Wild more because I just like the fantasy mythical vibe more. And so exploring in a world where it's very similar to like uh, like just a fantasy setting with dragons and shit like that. Exploring stuff and finding things feels cooler to me because I like that vibe rather than exploring and finding something in a city with like realistic looking humans when you're Mario. Well, and mean, then the mayor looks different. What's up with that? What's Pauline <laughs> from Donkey Kong or whatever? But she, why is her face different? She's misplaced there too. You know what I mean? She's a, another person out of time. And New Donk City though was awesome. And oh there's, God, I mean, yeah. there's tons of shit that really makes me think, man, that's, that's fucking cool. But it's still, not, it's still not a game that I feel like is in. I don't know. It's it's hard to talk shit about this game because it's well, it's so not, it's so fucking good. It's not that I'm talking shit. Exactly. Just, I just don't think it's a, a game of the year type of game. Right. And a lot of people are going to hate me for that. But and you they know should. What? I mean, they should. IMO. They shouldn't. Oh, they should not. Like we. I mean, and you know, I'm hopefully going to be able to come back and we can talk about you know like game award selections and picks and things like that. But when we're talking about what the criteria is for game of the year, I the thing I keep coming back to is like when we did our nomination process, just like you guys did. There's several categories that you nominate games and not just for genre, but things for like art and sound and technical Music, and voiceovers. Right. Yeah. All of these different parts that make up what a video game is. And <laughs> I found myself, you know, not nominating certain games across certain categories, games that we were talking about as game of the year contenders. But then once I looked, took a step back and looked at who we were looking at for achievements in these respective categories. And there really was only one game that hit in every single category. And that was Horizon Zero Dawn. And obviously, I haven't yet played Frozen Wilds. We're going to talk about your play experience. But I'm looking forward to going back and reminding myself why that game had such an impression upon me. Mm -hmm. And why games like Zelda or games like Wolfenstein or even like Hellblade maybe didn't really resonate with me quite on that level. And obviously, as I've said, I haven't spent any time with Mario yet, but maybe that will change my mind. I think it's interesting to have I, what I feel the three contenders for game of the year are, at least in my head and for my own heart and for my IMO, as Andy would call it, uh, being Zelda, Mario and Horizon. And there being so many excellent awesome things about all of them and how they compare right and i think it's interesting to compare the zelda open world like you're talking about to mario because mario is an open world it is very much you're choosing the world to go to and 
it's a contained space that, like I said, they've fleshed out and done all these different things to. I think you're going to love it based on what you're saying about Zelda because, again, it is rewarding to go in any direction and figure it out and then see things you can't get to and then hours later you figure out through another world how you're supposed to get there. And it's like, I like that kind of shit where I'm like, that's cool. I like the fact that I'm being rewarded and there's callbacks to it. To what you're saying about Horizon entering the picture, which was, and this is the same thing where I, I, hold, I, I withhold my right to change my vote for game of the year by the time we get there. Of course. But Horizon's <laughs> been my game of the year and now I, I do think and I'm in the middle of Mar- I'm in the middle of my Mario obsession or whatever. I think Mario is going to get my game of the year vote as of now for sure, but I think in the end it will too. But Frozen Wilds dropping, getting that code and starting that game, it was an instant bucket of water to the face cuz I started it and it was that thing of all right, so how do you play Horizon again? Like what? Like I, you know, I remember the story and the vistas and the photo mode and the battles I had, but it was that thing of like, what is the moment to moment gameplay? And am I going to be able to pick this back up? And is it going to be one of those things? Are they going to hold my hand too much and do that? And you start that game and you are thrown right back into it. There's fucking shit all around you. You got to go over there to get start the new section of the new map. And I jumped in there and I'm getting I'm, I'm level 50. I got the platinum right and I have all this and I'm getting my ass kicked and handed me. I'm trying to remember how to do it. But the game by not holding my hand forced me to go over there and start to start on the way to the path of the main story or to the, the story of Frozen Wilds. Like it starts immediately beating you over the head again with what it is. And like by the end of the first battle, I'm dodge rolling correctly again. I'm using my trip wires, which Kevin was getting crazy about. I'm using my <laughs> bow and arrow like by the time I got into the new area for Frozen Wilds, got to the tall neck, and what I loved, and because I, I, I'm such an open world, I just fucking love an open world and checking off boxes and doing this stuff. So with, when we got Horizon originally, the first thing I did was, all right, cool. I went through and got every tall neck I could, opened up the entire map. So to get in there and I was like, all right, I got to go to the tall neck to do this. Go there and no spoilers, it's different. It's not like the dozen other tall necks you did in the main quest. It is a very different like, oh, and it's like, oh, that's cool. The mechanics or no, I don't want to. It's it's a different story thing of how you're going to do this, how mm. you're going to get it. You unlock it. And as soon as it did it and unlock the map and it came back on and went brrr, and it was bandit camps and like campfires. And I was like, fuck, yes. And then yeah, I mean, I'm pumped. I was and I just I gorged it. You know what I mean? I just marathoned it where I was. I was like it was it was a game where I was, you know, Sunday at night. I played it for like four hours and it, we did streams for three or four hours like the next two days I was playing at home and it is that thing of just like give it all to me I've missed this experience I've missed Aloy I've missed this world and I know we pat them on the back all the time and they deserve it every time like I missed what Gorilla's done with this game because there is a distinct uh no spoilers mission in this game you go to and you're getting the great dialogue of the other character you're playing with who's like this different you know boisterous guy and it's like oh this guy's cool to talk to and then in the area he's in there's another one of the collectible stories where i'm sure so many other people either skip them or don't do them but like i got like the first two or three audio diaries and it was like wow this is super cool this is a f-, and it suddenly it shifts totally from the mundane quote-unquote of Crawl up there, go through the air duct, come back down here, turn this wheel so he can come over here to do it all over again to where the fuck's that next audio dialogue and what's happening. And you are reminded again of Horizons, one of Horizons greatest strengths because the game's strong on all fronts being the storytelling in it and how awesome it is not only in Aloy's story and the main story of that, but also in the way they make you care about people, the old ones, people from that have been dead for hundreds of years. And then the way you care about these people you meet in the interactions they have now in this world because it's the 
I we I actually beat it on stream, not paying attention because I was like, okay, whatever. Like, you know how it is. There's side quests. There's a main quest, but like they're all under side quests because none of them are the main quest because the main quest is still the game part of it. And going through and wrapping up the quest that was the main quest of Frozen Wilds, I was like, all right, this is cool. Blah. And then even then, like we were horsing around and like day one when we were doing, we were all drinking and playing, and having a good time. And day two, I wasn't. And Kevin was trying to talk to me at one point. I'm like, shh, shh. shh. I got I, and I'm reading the dialogue and then it's like even that this weird thing that I was like for maybe even the beginning part of it half paying attention to at the end I was like like sad because of like the way they've written these characters that are inanimate robots or AIs or people or whatever like they've just done such a great fucking job with this game. I wonder if the scheduling for releasing the DLC was in any way uh, like planned f- to sort of remind the player, like, hey, remember our game rela- released earlier this year, and it's fucking good. One thousand percent, it must have. A hundred percent to get them game of the year noms. Yeah, because I mean, like, well, I, this, the, for them, they are the antithesis to me to Resident Evil. Whereas now we now that we're talking about it again, but the first time somebody's like, oh yeah, don't forget Resident Evil. I was like, Resident Evil came out this year. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that does not feel like something that happened in 2017 because it happened right in the front of the year. I wonder how it's, much Wolfenstein and Assassin's Creed will suffer for just that lot. release window. It, the the problem is that 2017 has been such an amazing year for for game releases. I mean, we midway through the year in July when we did like a game of the year so far podcast on what's good. You know, we talked about how Resident Evil Seven was up there as a contender for a game of the year but there's just been too much and Mm -hmm. I now that I've played so many more hours in Assassin's Creed I absolutely would put it as a contender for game of the year I need to finish it for me to like really judge it side by side with Horizon because right now nothing has toppled that for me but it's been such a fantastic year and it's really tragic to me that a game like Wolfenstein is going to get overlooked because it doesn't have as much gameplay as these open world counterparts do. So you just have the ability to spend more time in the world of Mario or Zelda or Horizon or Assassin's Creed than you can spend in the world of Wolfenstein. I mean, if you want to play that game again, you can just change the difficulty, I guess. You would have to start on the easiest and you technically could play at each difficulty all the way through and see how that changes the experience for you. But fundamentally, that game is going to be the same, right? And I, I think the where it, where it suffers the most is that games like Assassin's Creed and Mario require so much of your time and attention. Yeah. And for someone like me, like... I thought I was going to be able to play all these games. And then I played Wolfenstein for like two hours, loved what I played, played Assassin's Creed for like an hour, loved what I played. It's just, and the problem with Wolfenstein is that, um, yeah, it doesn't have all these sort of mechanics and RPG elements of like upgrading your skills and all these different things that we come to expect in a modern game. Um, but I want to play that game for the story and I want to, and I want to trudge through it and I need to get back to it. I was really kind of discouraged when I found that it's like a 12-hour game. I was hoping, or 12 to 15, I was hoping it was going to sure. be like a 7-ish game just so I can kind of get it out of the way. Uh, and I was running into some of the same problems you were having, Greg, where it's like, man, I'm dying a lot of this. Like, man, this game reminds me over and over again. I'm terrible yeah. at it. And That's I love Wolfenstein, I'm too. Yeah. Easy, I'm gonna, easy when, I, when I restart it, when I come back, I'm totally putting it to baby mode and just like, let's go. Let's yeah. just kill stuff. And for the first hour of playing Assassin's Creed, opening up the world map and being like, Oh fuck! This yeah. is huge, <laughs> and all these icons are are all, all over the place. And god damn it, I'm never gonna get to any of this, huh? Like it was just that sad realization that I just don't have time to play all of these games. Well, it's also that I mean, sucks. The thing about it is, games even at this time of year, even for us, but for anybody, like all depend on your mood. 
And I think that was a big, for me, a backbreaker with Assassin's Creed, where I, I was like, not jonesing for another open world at the moment. And so I when I jumped in, like, right, my complaints are weird of like, I jumped in, I felt like I was thrown in the middle of the story, new mechanics, okay. But then it was like, looking at the map and being like, what the fuck is all this? And like, that's not who I am. I love open worlds and I love that, but usually they're parsed in a little bit differently, right? This, mm-hmm. this is similar, I feel like, to how Horizon, this DLC, tosses you in but it's like i know the horizon world i didn't need it i didn't yeah, slow learning that experience is a little bit different so this that's a fair complaint to make about assassin's creed origins but i think they were trying to find a balance between having too much exposition at the top which they got really panned sure. for in previous assassin's creed games by like having too much story at the beginning of people saying i just want to get to the action and now it's almost like they have not enough story because they have a brand new protagonist you're in an all new setting it's meant to be like this origin story for the brotherhood and you kind of start off the game really confused about who you are what you're doing but they do get that info to you rather quickly it's with any rpg and this is the thing that's been hard and that i've been talking about with in particular to this franchise that they've really uh, doubled down on bringing the rpg mechanics into the action adventure part of the franchise which i'll fully admit and i've said this before that i was very like hesitant against i was unsure if i was gonna like this as someone who's played all of the assassin's creed games i was just like i don't know if this is going this is the right move but now that i'm like 30 plus hours in i think that they have managed to weave it in so expertly that this was exactly what this franchise needed in order to get people reinvigorated and to kind of refresh the gameplay systems and the mechanics that they're using and so i would say to people who are maybe in your position greg that are maybe hesitant about starting or they started it and they weren't really intrigued to give it another go and remind yourself that any great rpg takes probably a solid 10 to 15 hours to really kind of get over that initial hump. I mean, if you look at all of the best RPGs, you probably don't really start having an excellent time until like 20 hours in, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is clearly designed to be like a 100-hour game experience. Don't let the icons overwhelm you. And I will say I I commend them on having it not be as bad as previous Assassin's Creed games, but there is a lot. Uh, But the good news is is a lot of those icons are easily checked off and they're short. They're short checkboxes. It's not like you're going on these endless fetch quests to go get things. Um, It's like sometimes you just have to go in, open a single chest, and then it's like check mark. You get experience points and you're on your way, Nice, Um, which is great because they really did an excellent job of making sure that everything in the world feels like it's contributing to your overall progression, whether it's a piece of gear or it's a ability point that you earn, or even if it's like a legendary outfit you get for a specific side quest, everything feels like it has a purpose. And there has been, there's been RPGs that have been out this year that doesn't feel like the case. And I can confidently say that the design of the open world of Assassin's Creed Origins is better than any open world game I've played this year. Better than Horizon. It's better than Horizon. Wow. That's a- and Horizon's open world is fantastic. And yeah. there's some other things about Horizon that I like better than Assassin's Creed, the narrative being one of them. Sure. Um, but the way that the open world is crafted in Assassin's Creed is 
is just it's just phenomenal from the from the individual art assets that make up each area of Egypt to their attention to detail with the historical landmarks that are in the game with making you feel like you want to be called out to the desert to follow a mirage or over to an <laughs> island where there's a question mark and you're like you know is it a, is it a tomb is it uh, an enemy outpost like what is that thing over there I don't know if you want to just like call your mount and go anywhere in the world, like it feels rewarding in a way that I haven't seen yet this year. And I absolutely can't say enough about how much I am impressed by this game. Wow. Yeah. That's the thing is like I was telling you, you know, earlier, like the, when you talk about it, you definitely make me go, Oh, I gotta do it. And I think part of that comes from obviously you're, you telling me no, this, that, and the other, and it gets better and how it plays out. But also the fact of coming off frozen wilds where even then I was, it, you, it sounds stupid, but I kind of forget that that was an open world RPG kind of game. You're right. And so like to get back in and like, Oh, right. The map and Oh, I'm clearing this and Oh, I'm fast traveling campfire to campfire. And I have this mountain. There's this new enemy to fight. And they, it was that rare thing when you know, a game's doing it right where I'm in the open world and I'm riding to my objective in frozen wilds. And then there's this, you know, beast over here that has nothing to do with the mission is just over there. And I stopped to fight it for no reason other than the combat's a lot of fun. You're a new monster. I can't even co collect more stuff because yeah. I'm still maxed from getting there. And they've done a few different like uh, additions to gameplay where there's another skill tree now. So you have more more place to put your points or whatever for frozen wilds um, when you're you can break stuff down and get half the money right on the spot rather than have to go sell it and stuff like that. So if your, nice. your bags are full, but it was just like, I also am swimming in shards. I don't really need to worry too much about that. I feel like I'd like horizon would have definitely been at the top of my list. Had I enjoyed Aloy more and I've told other people this, I did like, I love Ashley Birch as an actress. Yeah. And I think like, I don't think she was utilized as much as she could have been. Mm. Oh no, I agree with you. I think that she is a great character, but I think she, there was definitely potential for her to be more relatable. There certainly were a number of scenes, particularly in side quests, where it felt just, she just felt a little stiff. Like, and I don't think that that has to do with her performance. I think it has no, to, to do with the way that the writing is and how some things seem more brief than they needed to be, and they didn't truly like make those interactions as interesting as they could. That being said, I still think they did an excellent job, especially if you compare it to the side quest system in a lot of other open world action adventure games or open world RPGs that are out there standing against it. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just, we've heard her as Tiny Tina. We've heard her be crazy. Like, I, and obviously that's not Aloy's character or whatever, but I just, when I hear performances like Claudia Black as, as Chloe yeah. in, in Uncharted Lost Legacy, that's kind of what I wanted Aloy to be. I, mm. I guess I just wanted another female Nathan Drake, which is what Chloe was. Gotcha. But just sort of like funnier, more sarcastic, silly. And, and a lot of time it just kind of felt like she was like, this humble, soft-spoken But that's not who just, she is as a character. Yeah. I mean, you're, ta you're talking about a, but I guess a, gr just my a girl opinion. who grew up as an outcast, who has no friends, who doesn't have a place, who feels like a, a, as an outsider. She's not going to Aladdin have... was like that, too, and he was very... He sick. loved bread. <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. He sure <laughs> did, Greg. Thank you. I, I, remember, I remember Aladdin. <laughs> and that's just my preference. I just they, want a character that's funner to play in as. In Frozen Wilds, like and it might be just because it's compact but i think it is probably just because they realized they didn't do much with the system i felt like there was just in the main quest and a few of the sides i've done right it, three or four of those do you want to answer with the heart the brain or the fist thing so it's giving you a chance to not make her more of your own but bring that out in her and i feel like in her interactions with it she wasn't like smart aleck here outside of it but she was having more personality more emotion in it's, this in some of the selections in the standard game 
where you spoke out with a fist yeah, yeah. and you heard that emotion. I was like, that's what I want more. Like, I just felt like every answer was kind of very bland. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, I want you to be more just, excited. That literally I sounded like to, I wanted to be you more, Link, but I just don't. Be careful, I'm not Link. It. The blood moon rises. <laughs> Link doesn't have a voice. And I said so Zelda. Like, Zelda. You're talking about Zelda. Yeah, remember? Zelda. Yeah. 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 Blood I remember Zelda. I said, careful, Link. Link. The blood moon rises. Link. That's my thoughts. No, I mean, you're am I going to play Frozen Wilds? Probably not. You're a monster. I, because I also need to get into. I need to play Assassin's Creed, and I want to play Wolfenstein. Yeah. And I'm going to reserve more Mario for my flight back home on next Friday. Cool. When I go home for vacay. Well, there's something else you need to add to your flight back home. Let me for hear vacay, it, Greg. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this goes back to what I'm talking about, where you have to be in a mood to play a game. Started Doom on Switch last night. Yeah. Having a lot of fun with that. Did you ever beat it? No. Whoa. I, I I played it on PS4 and it was it's literally I never beat it either. Yeah, it was oh, played you know, a lot of it, but it was it. that thing of like I played it, I got it, I understood why this was cool, but that's not what I wanted last year when or last year right when I went through and played it and screwed around with it. I think I beat it at the end of January, but had I beat it like in the time frame of 2016, it would yeah. have definitely been up there as a game of the year. Well, for it's me. one of those games I feel that works so well on the Switch and I think on paper people might have questioned it obviously if, especially coming out of the gate because it was I Bethesda's mean I questioned first. it after spending hands on time with it yeah I'm like why is this there well my, my big if you remember on Games Daily when we talked about it and a bunch of people came after me after that episode aired hey IYO yes right in your opinion well the, my, the, my point was Doom as a game is a great game I just don't think Switch is the best platform to play that game on. That being said, you said already that you played it on PS4 first, mm. and then you went to Switch. Obviously, PC is the best place to play Doom, because that's where its heritage but is. But the drivers and the mind you know, sweep, well, no, listen, clippy. I'm also a How are my kid. bios? I <laughs> don't play games on my PC, uh, which is why I got an Xbox One X, so I could play 4K games. Che but like, the thing is, is like Doom on Switch for me was just... It was lackluster because I, the, the small screen just was not giving me that big bombastic sure. experience that Doom encapsulated so well. And you're not wrong. I'm with. I mean, if you want full tilt, this is what Doom was, where the, the when the music kicks in and the visuals are kindoffunny.com. You're not wrong. Kindoffunny.com. You're not wrong. But for me, it's an interesting fit of Doom on PlayStation 4 isn't a game where I need to be worried about following the narrative or I need to be paying my full attention to it, right? It is a fun arcade-like experience of mm -hmm. shoot you, you're flashing, I run up, I break your neck, I get... And like, so last night I was doing that while Jen was watching TV and then we went to bed and I just kept playing there and I'm like, I can totally see me playing Zelda or Mario all this flight long, but at some point being like, let's take a break and jump over and do a level and run through and kill some stuff and do it. And I, I tweeted about it. Like it depth, the visuals are a downgrade. I'm playing it on only in handheld mode Using so far. Joy cons. Yeah. How does that feel? The, I, the sticks definitely feel loose. Like yeah. I can totally see that this is going to be a game on the plane that I pack the, uh, pro controller for and do the thing where I have an, I have the switch on the table and the joy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing I was wondering because Playing as the tank in Mario Odyssey, I was like, these sticks feel like shit, man. Yeah. And I the need like an actual control. Great. Yeah, I need well, an actual it, but, pro. But the real thing that I didn't even think about, or I thought they would have thought more about, is how fucking tiny this, the, the uh, text is on screen. I was playing it in handheld mode, and it runs up, and it's like, I'm, it, I'm like, oh, hit B or X or whatever to open a door. And I'm like, no. And then I, I literally went like this. I'm like, oh, R3. 
You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I didn't. You have admitted publicly that you've raised the font size on your cell phone. I have. I am an old man. It's official. (laughs) Old man Miller. Hey, I'll go get it right now. You can tell me if the font's small on the screen, all right? It's tiny. (laughs) I'm going to say it's not small no matter what. I mean, it's. I hate you so much. It's small, but it's not that small. Damn, old man Miller. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not going to stop me from playing. Like, I had a great time, and I was really surprised that I had such a great time. It's a great romp. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good romp. It's, it's a good, good romp, romp through hell. Dude, I love that. I fucking lo- adore that game. Yeah. That's why I'm like so, I'm itching to get back to Wolfenstein. Sure. And it just doesn't seem like it's anywhere in the near future. And I said, here's what I got to do. So what's your me. priority then, right now? Here's what I have to Gundams. do. Okay. Well, right now, I've been, <laughs> I've been playing Odyssey. Okay. But I need to like not play that so I can get to the other games because I can play Odyssey anywhere. With the Switch, Andrea, you can play anywhere. I'm aware, yes. <laughs> and so I'm going to save that for my flight. I have like a three-ish hour flight. Uh, actually, no. There's like a bunch of different fucking connections. Connections, yeah. You, you got this flight for 19 bucks, so it's 17 <laughs> stops yeah. before you get to Texas. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be playing for 38 hours straight. So between now and then... My priority is going to be Wolfenstein. I need to get back into Wolfenstein. Yeah. And I need to finish that story. And so, so when I started playing Assassin's Creed, I was like, you know what? I'm going to mainline this. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to. And like two hours in, I was like, I cannot mainline this. Or you like can't. an hour in. No, you can't. I, I'm yeah. playing on easy mode because I'm trying to get as far through the game as possible before game of the year um, right. uh, Vote. votes are due. Um, and even on easy, it's still challenging. I mean, the progression is has been not um, not a hindrance. I've been able to do enough side quests and really kind of match my level. But I have found out very quickly you can only get do quests that are maybe one number level, potentially two number levels over you, or it's just not even doable. You'll just like get one-shotted by all the enemies. Is there a cutoff time for game awards? Depends on who's voting in what they, you're talking they about. should have like... You know, like for the Oscars, if a movie comes out, an, a well, movie like for yeah, so for the Game Awards, Jeff Keighley, yes, there's a cutoff. There's, there's a, a specific date. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I don't know. I f- which I f- makes it weird because Final Fantasy 15 is technically in this year's running for really? Game Awards. What the fuck? Yeah, because they cut it off Holy last year. I mean, you figure shit. it starts what the Game Awards show is always that first week of December. So like you have to cut it off yeah. in November. You have to put in your ballots and all this different yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just feel like there are going to be so many reviewers out there rushing through sure. these, the three major games that came out. The problem is this happens every time for every everybody. Every, I remember it, every year. Yeah. I, I remember at IGN so vividly, Andy, when Mitch Dyer brought us all into a room and he's like, "It was the end of November. We were all getting ready. You started. You already thinking about breaking all stuff. And Far Cry Three didn't come out that year until December something. And he all brought us in a room and sh- he's like." You guys need to understand that this game is awesome and different and amazing. And he had like, he did a section where he ran around and did stuff. PowerPoint. No, I don't think he had a PowerPoint, but he had a whole bunch of bullet points he wanted to hit. And we all left and we all voted. Nobody voted for fucking Far Cry 3. And then over Christmas break and we came back and I was like, why didn't you tell me I could make a shark skin wallet? It was one of those things of... The game was amazing, but there was no way to express that when everybody else has already been like, oh, I've been playing this and it's amazing. I've been playing this and it's amazing. That's always what happens. And the problem you run into when you're any content creator, right, is like, where's the cutoff? Because if you do it too early and you go too early with the game awards, you miss stuff. 
But if you want to wait till everybody plays stuff on the backs of Christmas breaks or whatever, and you come in, then you're in the lost in everybody else's game awards, or you're too late and you're not timely. The you know the people who put out awards like January fifteenth to the thirtieth or whatever, like they may be more comprehensive. But now it's already the wheels are spinning up of what's happening in February and March. That's like we're here for twenty eighteen. Like the game developer conference awards um, is that you know they're usually in March sometimes. Uh, GDC. Yes, sometimes <laughs> late February, but they really are touching on all the games that were big the previous year. But by that point, you were usually in Q1, and now Q1 has become a very yeah. desirable release window. And so I every year when that award show happens, I'm like, oh, people are still talking about it, all of those games. I mean, it's like the South by Southwest Awards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even Dice. Like, or not, we yeah. ho I hosted that last year, and it's that thing you get to Dice, and it's like, man, we are deep into this year already, but we're talking about stuff that was last year. But different audiences and what people want out of it. We need to change. We need to change that. And I'm putting my foot down. Okay, when, what's cu fist. what's cut off for? You can't see me putting my foot down. What's what, oh, you can. What's your what's the vote? The, when are we cutting off? The game day of the before year? all these three games came out. Gotcha. Okay, that's perfect. where I'm, that's yeah. where the dates should be. So Jeff Keeley, if you're watching, October twenty fifth. All right, October twenty fifth. Yeah, right. Twenty sixth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Yeah. One game I want to give a shout out to: Call of Duty World War Two. Started that uh, last another night. Another fucking game. God damn it, dude! It's awesome. And it's like, I wanted to like it from the pitch. Uh, originally, I thought I'd like it. Band of Brothers, blah, blah, blah. We're going to tell you this story about this platoon. I got through two missions last night and started the third. And it's like, it's beautiful. The story's good. The characters are cool. It's not super bro-y. It's not like, I can't believe it. Similar to like last year's Infinite Warfare with me where I'm in the space and all this other shit. I'm like, all right, not not for me. This is just a cool thing that's going on. I like it in terms of what you're talking about where you wanted Wolf's Son to be short. I've heard this is right where I want it to be in the sweet spot of, you know, Call of Duty campaigns. But even from the main screen, I can see like the different chapters that are going to be the missions. And I'm like, I can do one right now and do something else or I can try to do two or I at least see the progress I'm making. Like it's playing out like a episodic World War Two show and I'm totally into it. I'm in that sort of phase right now where I'll have an, a spare 40 minutes a night and I'm just like, I don't want to. That's not enough time to sort of dive into an Assassin's Creed like game yep. or Wolfenstein where I need to get really invested. So I just play a game of fucking NBA 2K18 oh. on my career. <laughs> and that's been like. Whenever I have a spare 40 minutes, yeah. uh, 40 to an hour, that's where I will just play a game of 2K. You're talking about Persona 5 syndrome for me. Really? Of like, oh man, I'm only 25 hours into Persona 5. I'd really like to beat it, but I know that that means I have 70 more hours of Persona 5. I want to take it out in big chunks. I want to do this. So, oh yeah, I got an hour, an hour and a half. I, you know, it's 45 minutes before I want to go to bed. Like, I'll play Friday the 13th. I'll play Marvel yeah. Heroes. I'll do, you know, like now I'm, you know, I'll play some Mario. I'll chip away at it that way or Mario Kart. It's, you know, Mario Odyssey's kind of been that game too, where yeah. it doesn't, obviously it's like kind of like just this mindless game where you don't have to remember about the intense story. It's yeah. just like you're fucking getting hats or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. It's this weird. Moons, Andrea. It's this interesting mm -hmm. for me. This year's been so crazy because it is a year where suddenly I'm playing Destiny Two and having a great time and Friday Thirteenth and I'm doing the online games as a service, whatever stuff. When I've never wanted to play multiplayer, but it's also the same thing of the comeback. I think of just like gameplay in a way where I'm always the guy who wants a great story and that's why I play games and I want to be entertained that way. But Mario is a game where no, I just want to run around and get moons and like I know I can get a couple moons and go to bed or get distracted yeah. and do something else. Now I'm talking about the same thing with Doom or uh, Cart early in this year, running around and doing that. There's too much happening. There's so much choice this year. I'm excited for Destiny 2 DLC. Oh my December. god, I can't wait for right? it. Osiris. It's like something that's kind of easy to forget. Yeah. No, but knowing it's not that it's on the forget. horizon, ah. Zero Dawn. Oh, I'm gonna be having 
Wild no, no, frozen Andy, time. Don't Wild do it. fun. Zero zero dawn one. I just got to finish everything before then. What do you have to left to finish? Did I get to three hundred or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to finish the mainline story of Assassin's Creed. I have oh, to do oh. all Mario's campaign. I thought you meant you had to finish something in Destiny before that came. I was oh, like, no, I no, feel no. like you're I way have, done. I have one my my hunter's three oh five. Gotcha. I'm fine. Yeah. To to start the the DLC. No, um I mean I want my other two characters to get obviously get above three hundred, but I had to take a break. I, I obviously everybody who listens to this show or Game Daily knows that I love Destiny, but I needed to take a break because there's just I was not doing my professional due diligence and playing other stuff. Sure. So I gotta get serious about this platinum. You gotta get serious about Assassin's Creed. An hour into it, I was like, I love this bike of Siwa. Let me tell you what. He's the thing that I was really hesitant about liking him as a character from the preview events that I been I went to for Assassin's Creed is that I loved the the swagger of characters like Ezio and how he had this charm and this kind of you know um, braggadocious attitude, but he still devil may care. But sort he of still attitude. had like his convictions, right, to the creed, right. And Bayek, I was kind of was like, I'm not sure if this guy's got enough personality. He seems like a little, like a little bland almost. But now that I have gotten to know him as a character, I love this family man assassin that they've created. This guy who is he's fucking cool. Who, he's so he's so cool, and he's on this like vengeance quest, and how all of the children in the world he's got these fantastic interactions with, and how he goes out of his way to do these crazy side quests to help like pregnant mothers, and how he has this amazing like husbando relationship with Aya, and like it's it's so great how they've made him this really down to earth family man with like real convictions that aren't just like superficial. Mm. That he feels really rooted in a genuine, authentic place as a character, which is the kind of in depth character development we haven't really seen in a lot of the assassins across all of the franchises. I mean, obviously Ezio got the most amount of attention because he was in the most amount of games, but even, you know, people like Edward in in Black Flag, like he was a fun character, but I don't think that he was a character that was relatable. And Bayek really kind of crosses that crosses that line into a place where you can see some of these really human qualities in him as a character, which I find really fantastic. I was wondering why Pregnant Mothers gave this game a 10 out of 10. PregnantMothers.com. Yeah, PregnantMothers.com. If you want a relatable character uh, in Frozen Wilds now, you can officially take off your headpiece. So you don't have to walk around like a diaper on your head looking stupid. You can remove that because they realize Uh. that's dumb. That was a dumb look. Dumb way to force him. (laughs) Time for This Week in Gaming, where we run you through crazy stuff that's happened throughout video games. This Week in Gaming, it's what here, happened? it's here right now. Oh my god, that was this week? <laughs> Four years ago, <laughs> November 2nd, oh no, so November 12th, 2013, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag came out. What a game. Fantastic. Cool game. That was an awesome game. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Now number four on my Assassin's Creed list. The first game that I really gave a shit about Wait, the franchise. Wait, so your Origins. One, I'm assuming. No, no. Brotherhood is still number one. Okay. And then AC two. Is that a? And then Origins, and then Black Flag. Is Brotherhood being number one? Is that like a hot take? Is that one of those like polarizing sort of takes? I, I think so. Yeah. I think it's a pretty divided opinion about that game. Most I, people say two, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, two was really iconic. Um, I loved the camaraderie element that Brotherhood brought in, being able to call in other members and really fight those battles. And some of the um, traversal mechanics and the combat mechanics that they introduced in Brotherhood, I kind of really thought was a great departure from where they started. But um, but yeah, 
I was telling Greg. I Origins, by the time I'm done with Origins, it <laughs> might it might move up the list. Mm. Black Flag, though, fantastic game. Yeah, that's the first Dude, game that I really yeah. even gave a shit about, like, in the franchise, because the other ones just weren't for me. I thought, it was, I thought when this game first uh, debuted, when part one was, like, showcased at that one E3 where Jade Raymond came out and, like, showed you what this game was about, I was like, this is going to be my franchise. It was the same year as Bioshock. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then it just never resonated with me. Like the fact the going into the future, that aspect lost me. I was like, I don't like that. See, whole I part love of it. that first civilization stuff, and that's also kind of polarizing. But they they've touched on it so far in Origins in a way that I'm intrigued by. But they haven't quite hooked me yet because they they haven't done enough with it yet. Is it still going on? Like that's what I don't even understand anymore. Where we're at with the Templars and assassins just, in the real world? Because I it was spoilers, guys, not for current not no. not for origins but like no. for the assassin's creed thing i when did when did they kill desmond kind of funny revelations, you wrong. revelations? <laughs> yes. i don't think i made it to the end of that one so i remember like i remember or when i was, was ac3 when i was check. into it when i was yeah. into it right i remember like how i'm playing the the story and of Ezio, we're going back and forth desmond's there uh kristen bell's there all right great i think and, three yeah and i remember that one where there's that awesome cliffhanger to actually, I think it was two or maybe it was, maybe it was revelations mm -hmm. where the woman's, the, one of the gods is talking to Ezio, yeah. but then he says Minerva, Desmond yes. and it was like, what? Ah! And he's yeah, like, who's Desmond? Wait, who's Desmond? Blah. I, I don't know. My <laughs> he sounds like Count Dracula, but it was Ezio. Who is Desmond? Oh, what? Nah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so the, the cliffhanger was in revelations and then they wrapped up his story in three. And see, three was the one I just, I can't it even do this. It was Assassin's Creed three. Uh, Oh, uh. <laughs> okay, that was good. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. But then when we got to Black a Flag, show so far. Black Flag. When I got there, I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" But and it's a tired story for I know kind of funny fans who listen to everything. But like, I played that game for so many hours and had such a great time. And I was, I know, my thing was, I'm gonna go island by island and just clear them all out. Hell yeah! Dude. And I was like, yeah. And I looked, it was like 25 hours on the clock. I'm like, yeah. And I zoomed out and I had like. <laughs> I don't like a try and I'm like, I can't do this. It was the same thing of like, I have to play other stuff this year. I can't yeah. do this for the rest yeah. of my life. So I never got any of the story there. Uh, I didn't do unity. I did syndicate for a little bit, but all these ones are like syndicate even was just like, all right, cool. And the modern day stuff, like here's your desk. All right, thanks. I'm on a computer and now I'm back in Britain. I don't know what's going on. Well, they, when Corey may left the series, like they really ran into this weird position of like, where do we take it? Because they gave it such a definitive end um, with you know Desmond Miles storyline and there were parts of the community that love the present day stuff and then there are parts that are like just get rid of it yeah. we don't want it in there at all you're just taking it away from an otherwise really great historical action adventure series um, but because they had done all of this build up in the first half of the franchise you can't just like abandon that and pretend yeah, like it never yeah. happened and so I think that they're trying to get back to a place where it's meaningful but it's not intrusive where like there there is a point to it and ties into the overall lore of the Assassin's Creed canon but that it's not like in your face all the time making drawing you out of the thing that you want which is to be inside that world mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm. So are we done? Are they done fighting? Is, are the Templars and everybody cool? I'm not I'm not to the end of the game yet. <laughs> There's like, oh, know. you know what, guys? We can coexist. No <laughs> big deal. Six years ago, 11, 11, 11, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. What are you shaking your head at? It's crazy that that was six years ago. I know, right? I was at Best Buy in Georgetown. Yeah. I remember... Texas. Um, meeting Todd Howard for the first time at E3... 
it was maybe the previous year, maybe it was 2010, or maybe it was 2011, and he gave the present the behind closed doors presentation yeah. for the Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim. And that was the one where he's like, look at this rabbit. It was like a 45 minute rabbit. presentation. Yeah. And like when he showed like the dual wielding thing and how you could like have a weapon and a spell in one hand or do like double spells. Like yeah. everyone in the room was <gasps> like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, and he showed the detail and how you could like read the books and like look at all the different items and like pull all the, like the food from your inventory yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was just so magical. And I had never really gotten into an Elder Scrolls game before Skyrim. Me neither. Same. Um, yeah. And Skyrim was really my first entry into that amazing fantasy world of Tamriel. And it was, I mean, even to this day, Skyrim on Switch yeah, just ne- came out. Next week, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what were, I mean, wasn't, I feel like Skyrim was the first game that really had a pronounced presence on the console. Because, like, four... Of the series? Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like it was the first game that really had that... Yeah, no, like, I think that's fair. I mean, they existed. Because Elder Scrolls Four, fucking... What's Morrowind. The, Morrowind. That no, was it. Wait, I thought Morrowind was three. Oh, obl- no. Oblivion? Was that four? Oblivion. It, it is Oblivion. Yeah. That, that one was on consoles, and I remember... But it was, like... It was so early on consoles, if that makes sense. I got... You figure I get to IGN in 2007, and that's already old news by then people had already stopped like then claiming was still obsessed with it and he's making fun of horse armor but like yeah i just don't feel like as a console gamer elder scrolls were really a big deal i agree with that and i think a big part of that was fallout right like fallout came around and i remember fallout was the first bethesda game as me coming up and paying attention that we were like whoa i was like whoa what the fuck's bethesda this game's insane this is awesome playing that and then new vegas and then skyrim coming then i think you i think we all had a way to wrap our head around what it would be if you hadn't played anything before. It's, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be open world and dragons and shit. Skyrim was, was my first one. I never beat it, but poured hours you upon hours into it. it. No. no, me neither. I did. I did the same thing I always do. It was like 60 hours. There was one day where, where I I'm sat like, there. I dig it. <laughs> there. On the weekends, there was a weekend where I sat there listening to, uh, this is a time capsule, uh, that Gautier song, his only song. Somebody that I got yeah, yeah. Listen to that on repeat pretty much off of YouTube because the song was stuck in my head, porting in my lap, uh, sitting there, and then just doing the... Uh, no way that song's that old. The, oh stealth, the stealth glitch, where or not even glitch, but like where there was like a monk praying, and Man, you go behind hacking, him, bro, and then you do it, and then you get like one stealth point, and he'd stand back up, and then he'd sit back down, and you'd do it, and get one stealth point. There's, like, there's a lot of cheeses in I'm that be game. The best. <laughs> yeah, as there should be. Nine years ago, 11, 16, 2007, a game that when they revealed it, I gave it a standing ovation. Only person at this event in Vegas. Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. <laughs> it, this is like, I mean, this is my first, I'm not, I haven't even been at IG in a year yet. And me and Broadway went to Vegas for, that would have been Midway. Yeah, we went for, for Midway and they showed us all these games. And when that one, it was just the most, obs- why are his Batman? And so just like, I got up and was like, the ball's on you got to do this. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right? Like, yeah, around. right. It, was, it wasn't like a hip hop gamer chair. Oh, no. It was a very much like I'm a DC fan and this is dumb as fuck, but I'm here for you. Good job <laughs> for doing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, and then to show you how broken IGN was back then of we review everything. Somehow I reviewed that game. Oh, my gosh. Because I was a DC fan and I had played a Mortal Kombat before. So I played that. There you go. And I remember what a dumb idea. They'll never do that again. And here's Injustice, one of the biggest <laughs> things going on uh, multimedia fucking fronts everywhere. Ten years ago, November 12th, 2007, Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii. That's a game right there, Andy. Never had a whole lot of experience with You're the a monster. Galaxy Wait, games. Wait, really? Because, yeah, I, just, I never owned a, a, like, the 
the only time I owned a GameCube was one that I bought at the pawn shop because I wanted Smash. Oh. And I wanted a way to practice Smash at home. Well, Galaxy and, isn't GameCube, it's Wii. Super Mario Galaxy. Well, not Sunsh- Sunshine. Sunshine was only... Sunshine's GameCube. Well, I never owned a Wii either, so that makes sense. Okay, well, you're just a But weirdo. yeah, like... One like of, the Galaxy, definitely one of the best Mario's of all 100%. time. The Galaxy games, the only like experience I had with them was like being at a cousin's house and playing it for Mijo. a couple hours while I was there. Mijo, let, him, let him play Galaxy, Mijo. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a Wii where he comes yeah. from. <laughs> I don't have Wii. <laughs> yeah, that's my only experience with the, game, with the franchise. And I know that like it's just like... I know they're Beloved. phenomenal games, but like, and I enjoyed what I played, but it was like hours at a time, weekends separated. You yeah, know, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. You missed a great one. It was really, really good. That was, an, that was the first time I ever met Reggie, too, was at a press tour for that. He walked by. I was like, <gasps> shook my hand. <laughs> it's great. Big, big, big moment for me. Remember, I could, I hate, God, I hated Waggle, though. That was the one thing that I did not like about Galaxy was like shaking the thing to do stuff. Oh, and yeah. And here I am still to this day now. Fucking, fucking shaking this joy. Spinning in circles, Mario. Yeah. God, Turn get them all. the motion controls off. You still have to spin it sometimes to do that stuff. You got to do, unless you, there's some spin. It's just a pain in the butt. It's easier to look like an idiot. Like I'm jacking off this giant switch. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, November 13th, 2007, Assassin's Creed. We talked about it earlier. The first one. Shows up as Hillary Goldstein called in his preview the first next gen game of that generation, and then he gave it a seven, and everybody got really mad at him. <laughs> but it's also the review that made Harley Morenstein a fan of IGN until the day he dies, because he was like, "These guys shoot straight. I like that." So there you go. <laughs> I never played the original Assassin's Creed. I was, I think I started it. And I was like, "This is boring." Neither did I. Either. This is not. A I fun never. One. I don't think I finished it. Definitely played some of it. But it's one of those things where I don't think it's aged well. Yeah. And AC two was just. Def- Definitively better. I know I've said that word like five times this podcast. I apologize, but well, it's because AC two was like, oh, all the boring shit that didn't make sense and like trying to blend back in. We'll just we'll fast track that. We'll give you just the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's get some PlayStation stuff on here. A decade ago, November sixteenth, two thousand seven, Uncharted Drake's Fortune comes out. Wow, launching a franchise, a face of PlayStation, taking Naughty Dog to a new place, a new level. I remember being on tour with my band on tour yeah. which is like just like shows in texas or whatever uh and my drummer was talking about how like oh dude oscar's been playing this game uncharted on the ps3 i was like yeah but nobody plays ps3 bro yeah like, nobody's <laughs> playing much. nobody's playing that call to man it's gonna it's gonna die that franchise is gonna die and go nowhere yeah naughty dog crash what yeah yeah you know, sort of thing yeah, jack and daxter guy yeah i would have never expected that it would have become this huge and this like incredible you know well it's the funny thing for me you know that's still my first year at ign and i remember going down to la with the guys all the whole playstation team for some playstation event where they're going to show us a bunch of stuff and in the giant bus we were taking down there with a whole bunch of other games journals dunham turned to me and he's like all right these are the games you're covering and they had a code name for uncharted that i don't remember right now i was like what is that dolphin and he's like (laughs) dolphin (laughs) he's like do you you remember the uh the jack and daxter guys they're naughty dog and they're making this new game it's some kind of like piratey action adventure thing i was like all right and I remember playing that and being everybody gathered around when I'm playing this thing. And it's like, look at his, look at his pants are wet. He went in the water and they came out and they're wet. Everybody's like, this is the coolest tech of all time. Yeah. And like, yeah. And then that thing fucking launched. 11 years ago, November 14th, 2006. Shout out to Colin Moriarty. Resistance Fall of Man came out. 
Again, another franchise. The Chimera, played. man. It was, you know what I mean? It was there. It was there to fight everybody. It was there. <laughs> it was there. It was, they were doing it. Insomniac. Yeah. Tried multiple times. That I, you know, I, Resistance didn't click for me until the PSP game by Sony Bend. And then uh, I liked three a lot. The final Resistance on PlayStation 3. That was a really good one. That was a franchise where, like, the only person out of all of our friends had a PS3. Yeah. Like, his brother bought a PS3 because his brother just bought everything or whatever. Yeah. And so that was a game that I'd go over to my friend's house to watch them play. And be like, this is whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's very brown. It's a weird one. <laughs> Twelve years ago, November fourteenth, two thousand five, Mario Kart DS, a great Mario Kart. I remember camping out for Wii to get my pre-order in for Wii, and the guy next to me had it. And for some reason, I didn't have it yet, but you could share the game with everybody, so we just shared it with this giant oh, line yeah. of people. And I, by the time they opened GameStop, I went in and I was like, I'll take a Wii and Mario Kart DS, <laughs> and bought that and took it home. Snaking, big problem online though, Andrea. Be careful, that's snaking. 14 years ago, you know, you remember this, sure. you know, you could drift too much and then people just snaked and then you know, it broke online. It broke online. No, I don't just remember that. I never played that yeah. online. You guys are missing out, man. <laughs> uh, 14 years ago, November 10th, 2003, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time, game of PlayStation 2. Another fucking game. You play this one? Are you yeah. on tour this one? You know, oh my God. This is the game that ended my piano career. Because I, I was wait, like, wait, 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 you were going to become career? a yeah. professional. I was taking pianist. piano. I was taking uh, piano up. lessons in uh, in college. And I was like, it was that thing where I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time because I want to see if it stuck. And it stuck for like six months. And I remember for Christmas, I actually got a keyboard from my mom because I finally confessed that I was doing this. And then like a few months, or I guess this is, I got it for my birthday, whatever. I got it in a way where I was like, all right, cool. And then this came out and I like it was the day of where I was like driving and I, I just read the article about it and I was like, Die, you know, I'll blow off piano practice today. Oh, it man. went to GameStop or EB and never ever went back Your to piano. Would have been so Didn't even better. call to cancel because I'm an asshole. Oh. 16 years ago, Andy. November 12th, 2001. Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. Oh my God. Jeez, what a fucking game. They don't make them like that anymore. No, they don't make having them like my that. Having my brother walk into my house and I'm just like walking in the living room. I'm like, just playing some PS2. And he's like, no, you're not. I was like, I don't know. Maybe go check my room. And I had Metal Gear Solid 2 and just the intro cutscene of being on the fucking bridge Jeez. in the fucking Octocam or whatever yeah. the fuck it was called. Ugh. Yeah. One of my favorite games. And and you know what? A game that the whole bait and switch of the Raiden thing yeah. to same thing didn't affect me. Because like, I played part one. I love part one, but I wasn't in any way like married to Snake. Yeah. So I thought that was cool as shit. I was more upset as somebody who loved part one so much. I was married to the idea of Meryl. And like, I hated that Metal Gear Solid 2 like references mm. are when he, when, you know, uh, Pliskin's dreaming or whatever. And like, oh, Meryl. I was like, I wanted more. I wanted to know what happened to her. I was upset that nobody ever talked I guess about in it. most games, I love being like the young hotshot rookie. Like, sure. With his back against the wall, you know, like Holding I his love balls while he cartwheels around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> places. He's like athletic. He has like cool white hair. I was like, man, this guy's fucking cool, man. Yeah. I was like the only person who yeah, like, everyone else hates this guy. Everybody hated him. We didn't have the internet, him. so we didn't know really how much everyone else hated this guy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, him. I remember reading articles in GamePro where I was like, oh, people don't like him. <laughs> like feeling like really weird about it, but I loved him, man. Jack Rose. So cool. Dude. Uh, and then also 16 years ago, November 15th, 2001, Xbox. Ah. The original Xbox releases. Yeah. I remember looking at this thing and being like, nah, sir. We already have enough consoles. We'll go nowhere with your cords. That would, they would made a big deal in like their interviews. Bill Gates would talk about like, we, <laughs> we workshop this thing forever. And if like somebody walks and their, their controller cord ca- catches on the, the leg, they disconnect in the center. So they won't yank your console off or yank the controller out. I'm like, nah, I'm fine. 
I don't need this crap. <laughs> you and your giant Duke controller. My first Xbox was, uh, I remember going to, I would babysit in Austin for my cousins. I'm babysit, like, they were really, like, five years younger than me. But they just wanted somebody to be around, like, during the summer. Yeah. And so I bought, uh, I was going to go to Austin to babysit so I can make money and then come back and buy an Xbox so I could buy Halo. Because yeah. all of my friends were playing Halo. Um, and by that time, uh, before I even went, my dad was like, I bought you this. You're still going to have to pay me back for it. Because I know this is why you're really going up there to spend money on it. And he bought me the Halo, like, clear green, green one, yeah, Halo yeah, yeah. 1 uh, edition Xbox. Yeah. And fucking blew my mind. And the fact that That's I would, awesome. like, burn CDs on there and have, like, my songs of, like, all my bands that I would listen to and play Halo online. Yeah. Uh, back with like XBC existed. Yeah. Trying to figure out XBC. It was just the best, dude. It was I the best. I completely skipped that generation. Really? Because wow. I was in college at the time and like your friends, a lot of my friends were playing Halo, but I was still playing PS2. I was still like playing all of my games on that system and I was still playing my um, Nintendo 64 and I just didn't have as much time to play games during college and so I kind of really just didn't even touch that that system mm. at all but the next generation 360 i went all in on 360 you went ham hey well we didn't have like online or whatever ham. where when i was going to austin they had online but i didn't have like a way to do xbc because it was my uncle's computer and he was really like touchy about me using his shit yeah so like my experiences with halo that whole summer were like how fast can i beat this level of the library because it was like that really scary moment where the flood you sort of first see the flood it was sure. very horrifying greg right horrifying no for me it was that yeah i, I went to college with the playstation 2 and uh what well, yeah i went to the playstation 2 and then when i moved in with my friends at the antler house they had a gamecube and we're like oh this is great and then it was the next generation behind me of the young kids that came in the next year where we were having a house party and it was like going great and, and then literally it was like and everybody started leaving and I was like what the fuck is going on and like oh we're all going to Devin's house we're gonna play uh, uh, we're in a system link Xboxes and play Halo it's like what the fuck are you talking about and they were all just gone you're like all right fine yeah, and, dude. and I told it totally blew by me until a, a roommate uh, one of the young kids who moved in had an Xbox and I would uh, I, I would go over there and borrow it to play uh, Knights of the Old Republic and then I would sit there and play Jade Empire my senior year nonstop, and then finally just bought one and played Stubbs the Zombie and both uh, Knights the old republic and i remember kids in high school talking shit to us like how oh, we can beat your halo clan i was oh, yeah. like guys my parents are going out of town this weekend you guys are going to come over and we're going to invite them over and we're going to challenge them finally and so i don't know what the, i don't know what game type they're going to choose but we're going to choose ctf on hang em high and whatever i forgot whatever they chose and oh my god we just smoked these fucking fools yeah. dog just killed him. And I was like, man, this wasn't even fair. Like, I'm the sure that's exactly the how it went. The second match isn't even going to be fun. No, it was. They trashed was, your parents' house on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fuck you. They slit their tires. <laughs> no, it was awesome. Though. It was the shit. Those are the days, man. Yeah. Uh, we got a whole bunch of reader mail about the topic of the show that I'm going with. Tots, 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 comes from Stuart Little, who says, why isn't Wolfenstein 2 getting the same level of controversy for its brutality, including against women, that The Last of Us 2 clip, I don't consider it a trailer is. I know there's context, but that doesn't always stop people. Well, it's not a, right, it's not a trailer. It was a cutscene. Yeah. That's what uh, Neil Druckmann said. It's not getting as much publicity because Last of Us 2 has a much bigger name behind it in terms of, like, popularity and... Last, it's The Last of Us, right? It's a mm -hmm. Naughty Dog game. And that game was showcased 
on um, stage at a yes. major media <laughs> showcase, which is why we had a problem with it. Yeah. yeah. Or is why I had a problem with it. And that's why people aren't talking about Wolfenstein 2. Because Bethesda knows a lot of that really hard R or hard M for mature rated content is locked inside the game. You yeah. bu- when you buy Wolfenstein 2, you're buying your ticket to that ride. And you know or should know what you're signing up for. Yeah. Whereas the thing with Paris Games Week, it was like, I can't wait to see what Sony's going to show. And it was, you know, it ran the gamut, right? From it's going to be, okay, cool. Here's the Samurai game from Sucker Punch. Here's Concrete Genie. Here's this. And then here is a very brutal scene that doesn't necessarily mash up with everything else you've seen. I mean, seen. fuck, the scene in Wolfenstein 2 had me like, oh my God, I can't believe they did the this The first shit. one? Yeah. Because there was a bunch of, the, I, 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 as somebody who's still early in the game, but I was on the Bombcast, like, apparently you've played more mm-hmm. of it, right? It just keeps ratcheting and ratcheting and getting more and more fucked up. And like, yeah, it, to the point where I was like, I can't believe they'd this is allowed in fucking, yeah. and I almost had like that old man moment or whatever, like oh, Mortal, my Mortal Kombat's violent sort of shit or yeah. whatever. Um, Who will protect the children? Yeah, I again, I. It's nothing that I was offended by, just more shocked by uh, the Naughty Dog uh, Last of Us Two scene. Didn't like, I didn't feel offended in any way. I just kind of like same. Oh, that's really really violent or whatever. Yeah. But I had more. Yeah, I guess Stuart Little's right. Where I had more of a like a reaction to the Wolfenstein scene than I did. But again, you're right. I mean, it's locked. It's in the game. It's not a cutscene they're showcasing at E3 or like a giant show. Because you figure even Wolfenstein, right, the demos I had done previously with the scene you're talking about, if I'm right, right, where uh, the first introduction of the bad guys are talking to... One of the preview events has that scene, but but they they conveniently cut cut the scene in the demo before it gets to the really gruesome part. Yeah. I mean, both for, you know, narrative reasons that are also like, hey, like, we don't need to show this level of gore in a demo of this game. Right. And I think that that is really what is the difference here, the primary difference. Yeah, if they showed that cutscene at a fucking TGS or E3 or something, it would have had, people would have reacted the same way. Yes, agreed. Yeah, and that's the... Now, is his question like violence against women or just violence in general? He's why isn't there a controversy? Why isn't uh, there a controversy at like, about Wolfenstein 2 gotcha. the way there was about The Last of Us Part 2? Gotcha. And what I find interesting about this question that I've talked about a little bit here and there is the fact that when they reveal Last of Us the first time around, they also avoided the really gruesome shit. And I remember not putting it together, but now seeing this reaction more when I came back from playing it for the first time and being, you know, at their reveal hands on event, coming back and they didn't give us B roll. And there's a famous PlayStation conversation where I'm explaining it to Colin and I start reenacting it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and you slam his head on the table and then the glass breaks and he's like doing this and then he shoves the glass into his throat. And it was like, oh, right. That's why they didn't show you to give us that footage because with no context around that, no framing of what's happening in the story. That is fucking terrifying and scary and and a whole bunch of horrible things. But in the when you're in the game and I know that I've signed up for this post apocalyptic there's fucking creatures slash zombies all over the place that are going to eat me alive, let alone the fact that it's man's and humanity to man now. Yeah. You know what you're getting. Yeah. I, so I saw some of the sort of anger on the internet was like, there's so much violence towards women in this. Is that, is that, we're, we're not talking about that. We're just talking no. about violence in general. We're okay. talking about violence in general because gotcha. that was the, even remove the women part of it, that was the big argument. Gotcha. It, was, it was just so brutal and people getting yeah. hung. The and, women part is, I, th- I think, a non starter. I think there's just a lot of violence in that game against humans, right. regardless of gender. Sure. Cool. John at home writes in. <laughs> cool. Violence towards cool. people. Yeah, cool. totally. Cool. <laughs> That's a kind of funny shirt right there. <laughs> We've kind of hinted around this, but I want you guys to make your pick. 
With Battlefront 2 being the la- last notable release of 2017, what are some games in your backlog you'd like to wrap up before year's end? What's the game you're thinking you got to finish? I'd go for, I'd say Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. Or Assassin's Creed Origins. Origins yeah. Just because I I know that I can get around to Wolfenstein and beat it, and I'm probably going to put it on easy mode yeah. and just try to get through that story. Um, but I would say Assassin's Creed 2. It's going to be the biggest one to tackle just because I know it's their biggest world, right? I think they said that. Assassin's Creed Origin said it's their biggest world. Mm-hmm. I'm Martin. pretty sure. I think it is, yeah. Andrew, and I would be so I would be shocked if there was a world this bigger. I don't think there is. I mean, Unity and Syndicate were both large, but not this big. Kindoffunny.com says you're wrong. <laughs> don't bother. Oh, no, wrong. <laughs> just, if you, the live chat will correct us after the tweet. Me, yeah. What's the one game you want to finish in your backlog? In my backlog? Um, Breath of the Wild. Mm. I have two of the divine beasts down and like a healthy amount of shrines. shrines, but I haven't done the Ganon fight yet, but I'm really not drawn to finish that, but I feel like I, I need to finish that. I also haven't finished lost legacy yet either. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And I know that that's much shorter, but I just like, I just never f- easier it. pill to swallow for sure. Yeah. Just exactly. Cause it's shorter. Um, yeah, there's so many smaller games that I'd like, like I, w- I got really, really into hob by runic rest in peace. And Hob is great, and it's fun, and it's really cool and clever. I never beat it. Uh, I got really into Ruiner, published by Gorilla. No, not Gorilla. Um, um, uh, uh, Devolver. Devolver. Kind of like a similar looking word, Devolver, Gorilla. You see what I'm... No, no, no. I mean, there's Vs in both of them, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, And Ruiner is fucking awesome and fun and brutal and beautiful. And from a... From someone like me who's really into art and design, that game is just like a fucking wet dream for mm-hmm. me. Like that's a game that I wish I could have made back when I gave a shit about like doing stuff like that. Um, Ruiner's great. Fuck, I don't know. There's so many games that I haven't finished Hellblade. Haven't either. given enough time. To oh, me. really? Mm-hmm. So Hellblade's really short too, right? Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like, like six hour, seven. Yeah, right? something. I was gonna say eight, seven. Okay. Sounds maybe split the difference. Jen played it because I'm really good at games, Greg. So I oh, I'm sorry. Super fast. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm, of course. Gotcha, two gotcha. hours for me. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Jen. Well, I mean, it took, it took Jen two days to platinum it, and like that was just playing during the daytime. And I watched a lot of it, and that's why it's like one of those games that I played a little bit of, it, and I was like, I don't know, and then watched her play a whole bunch of it, and I feel like I've gotten the experience out of that one. Totally respect it. Understand why it's amazing and all the different things. Uh, you brought up something interesting though. Mm-hmm. Zelda. You're not drawn to it, but no. you feel like you should finish it. You should finish it. I feel like I'm getting peer pressured into finishing no, it. This is my it. problem with Persona 5, that I love Persona, period. Per, I, Persona 4 Golden, I loved. I loved Persona 3. Persona 5, I love. And I, I don't, but it's now this albatross that I feel like I, it's just around my neck and I'm just like, it for sure is the game in my backlog I wish I could finish, but I'm not drawn to it. I'm drawn to so many other games that I feel, and I don't know if it's because I feel the weight of the next 60 hours I need to put into it or if it's just the fact that. Are you talking about the pressure from online? I think a lot it's of that's just jokes, right? I think. Oh, well, yeah, but everybody, like, I mean, I know. Well, it's like the same, like, finish metal, or you never played a Metal Gear Solid 5. Like, I, I don't fucking think those, tried. I don't think those people are <laughs> serious about that. No, I, I know, but well, I. There's oh, plenty that are, though. There are, but here's my I- issue and I think it falls into your in line with your Zelda argument is the fact that a lot of people 
in our community, the best friends, watch the content, hear us talk about the game of the year, and they're like, oh, if one of them would finish Persona 5, Persona 5 would be in the that's how, the game That's the how I felt about Bioshock Infinite with a lot of people. No, I beat it. It just wasn't that good. It, just wasn't oh, that good it. it was Sorry. good, but not, not game of the year. It blew my mind, dude. It blew my mind. Oh. My Did tiny you play the original mind. Bioshock? Yeah. That's a much better game. It's a much better game. Much better game. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I feel this is very much a game that I've played the 25 hours of. I get and I love but I'm just not drawn to go back to it. And I feel like what I, I just don't feel like it is game of the year because you know, I love persona five. I think it's probably the best persona game there's been, but it's just more of the same It's I'm doing the turn-based stuff and I'm doing this and I'm working this and I'm getting this girl or I'm getting that girl. Or I'm going here. I'm it's like, I just, I just don't have time for teenage drama. Yeah. You live it. <laughs> you live adult drama. Well, what about, um, so you're not into, um, well, the game, the fucking, the Gone game, home. no, the other teenage drama one, Emily is away. No. Life is strange. Life is strange. Ah. Mm-hmm. Have you have, are you into that series? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is that anywhere close on your game of the year? No. 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 I mean, I, while that game is great and I did a lot of work with Deck 9 and Square Enix over the summer like promoting that game and and being on a lot of panels and I love that game. It's definitely not game of the year because there's just too many other really outstanding achievements sure. that have in, been accomplished this year by other studios. In terms of narrative, narrative, I would think it has. We some nominated of the, it for best narrative. It has some sure. of the. It definitely has some of the moments of the year, like right. where like the junkyard scene in episode one where she turns the corner after smashing a bunch of shit. It was like, fuck, that's awesome. And like the D and D game and the play in episode two, like there's a lot to fucking love in that. But I don't think it's game of the year. I don't think it's that revolutionary. But it's amazing. Best scenario for me is definitely Horizon. Love that story. Jesus. It's so Christ, good. I love that story. Hell yeah. The whole Hell game yeah. is so good. So is the DLC for a while. It's available now. Gotta go <laughs> download it. <laughs> you fucking chill. How much is Sony paying you? Come on, pony. <laughs> Wiggles writes in and says, just for N7 day, what was your favorite Mass Effect game? Mission for the game and why? Uh, I'd say Mass Effect 2 is my favorite. Hell yeah, that's my boy. Them. Um, my favorite mission, I don't know if I had a favorite mission. I'd say that, I'd say that my most favorite moment, uh, Jesus, Andrew, watching that N7 video that Bioware put out. I got, I, I tweeted, it hit me like right in the feels oh and I actually like I got up. so teary eyed when yeah. they talked about the, where one of the developers was like, yeah, one of the gamers was talking about the moment where. Morden is ascending. Mm. And that to me is still one of my favorite moments in games. Obviously it was heartbreaking, but it's just like one of the best put together like moments in gaming where like the the writing and the emotion and the environment like exploding. Oh my god, it's just one of my favorite moments ever in video games. In media. I, I in all of mo- media. In all of media, dude. Wow. All them books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of books oh, yeah. out there. Right? A lot of books, man. And this is one of Tom my favorite Tom Sawyer, moments. Frog and Toad. I know what you're talking <laughs> all about. Bear and Seen Bears, all of them, man. <laughs> um, yeah. this, is, this is a hard one for me to, to narrow down to a single moment. I mean, Mass Effect 2 by far and away is, Hell yeah. is, is my favorite game. I played that game front to back five times. Um, for a moment, there's, there's a lot of different moments from the different games. One in particular that stands out to me is the moment between... Um, you know, Tally and uh, Legion, oh, where yeah. you have to kind of make this decision about, you know, like, is there sentient life in this race of AI beings, right? Like, are you going to save them? Are you not going to save them? And like, how that consequence 
uh, or that decision's consequences affect you know the rest of the gameplay. Um, my favorite mission, though, is not an emotional one. It was um, the DLC uh, Lair of the Shadow Broker. Oh, right. with, yeah. with Liara, which was so good. Arguably one of the best DLC packs like of all time. Really, really good. Really well done. I love the final one too, but that was just a lot of fan service. The um. The one with all of your crew yeah, members. Yeah. Um, really well written. There's a lot of funny moments in there for me. Was that called Citadel? Citadel. Um, it's it just like there's something about the characters in the Mass Effect franchise and the way that Bioware has made them so accessible that really I feel like so many people have found a different character that they can resonate with. Yeah. And, um, Making a hero like Commander Shepard who you can really identify with no matter what background you come from and being able to really craft Shepard to be your own, not only through like the character customization from an appearance standpoint, but also like being able to choose all of these different dialogue options over the course of, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of gameplay to really kind of craft that character into somebody who means something to you. And you get so invested, not only with, you know, Shepard as the hero, but also with all of these individual crewmates and their stories yeah. and wanting to help them and make sure that you know you get everybody's loyalty i mean i had to play mass effect so many times because i could not lose a single person you know in their loyalty missions and in the final mission i just needed to make sure that everybody was on my side and i always had paragon playthroughs i never once did a renegade, yeah, renegade was never the way to go i love the no. uh, i love not jack's, for me i love jack's sort of uh, uh loyalty mission loyalty mission i love before you get there i'm oh, sorry my uh, my game is mass effect 2 my mission is jacob's loyalty mission yeah, followed jacob's closely by jack's yeah but i'll never i mean jacob's i remember running to the top of that thing and just like is his dad gonna be here or what the yeah. fuck are we about to get into uh, i love the lead up to finding out that archangel is garris Mm. That moment for me was so cool because Garrus was my number one dude in part one. Um, and so figuring out that he's back and then even like the lead up to finding out that like Rex is on Tachanka, like all that shit just kind of blew my mind. And oh, there's so many good moments in that franchise. And I, I kind of worry that we'll never, I don't, this is going to be like a hot take, but I don't think we'll ever see a, a trilogy as good as that ever again just because of the way that the the way that games uh development is moving towards this like live service sort of live service mm -hmm. open world thing like will we ever get a trilogy of games that are story based where your character the people that you kill in part one don't pop up in part two like will we have anything like that ever i mean you I, I was working at ig when they announced this right and it was outrageous when they said they were making a trilogy and the game the choices you made in this first game were going to affect the final one years and years later you we were all like what how's that even working what do you do and it was like now it's you know, take it for granted but it's it was at the time so crazy what a yeah. crazy mission statement to put out there and yeah. final question of the week Comes from James Myers. Greg and crew, do you think the lack of release dates at Sony's Paris Games Week showcase means the claim about games releasing in the first half of 2018 was mostly wrong? Which games do you think will miss this release window? Will PSX have release dates or has the announcement ship sailed? I didn't pay a whole lot of attention, so I needed to be caught up on this. So basically, they got criticized at their Paris Games Week 
showcase because they showed a lot of new assets for games that they have already previously announced, but they didn't give any concrete dates. Detroit, Spider-Man, all that. Yes. So we got some... Kind of. We got a couple like release windows, but we didn't get concrete dates for a lot of things. And if you remember at E3 what the deal was, they showed trailers. And if the trailer... And this is that, Sean Lane said this after the fact in an interview. If we showed a trailer and it ended and said 2018, that's in the first half of 2018, which didn't include Detroit, but did include God of War, Spider-Man, and Shadow of the Colossus. Which Detroit followed up and said spring, right? Then at E3 as well, David Cage says, no, we are a 20, uh, 2018 game, but that was not on their trailer, so it didn't mm. fall into that thing, and so they're still 2018. But considering how many games we've seen in recent years slip their dates, I don't think it's necessarily the worst tactic at, you know, in hindsight after I, I did publicly criticize them for not giving information. I'm like, listen, if you're going to have a media showcase... You're going to call whole, it E3 Part 2. The whole point of a media showcase is to, to disseminate information. And if you're not going to disseminate information, why not just release these trailers whenever, right? Um, is that if they don't release a date, then if the development needs more time, they can push the date and then they're not having to step on people's expectations, right? So if they'd said like February like 15th, 2018, and then they're like, well, we need to slip to April. It's the day before my birthday. Then they don't have to, then they don't have <laughs> to, you know, um, come up with the next story saying, oh, we have to push back development, blah, 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 they, blah. And, that's, and it's one of those, I think... You know, I think I helped increase the expectation that they're going to put release dates on it at Paris Games Week because, hey, I, they were like, it's, you know, E3 was just the beginning. You figure this is the end then is how you do it. You explain it. I don't it. think that's you doing the expectation. That, that's them. That was their own But messaging. I feel like every time we, it, it, and it's been a decade, every time a conference comes around, we give out these pie in the sky things, then it inevitably isn't that. So we come back and we're like, we should have been more realistic. I thought this was realistic based on what they had said before and made sense. Well, they also just don't want to disappoint people. Sure, but and, but to their credit, PlayStation has really, for the most part, and I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can to rack my brain live, been better about like, hey, we're just going to put a PlayStation blog post when we have a release date. I remember that's how Naughty Dog did it and when they delayed their games, how they did it for Uncharted 4. It, they don't usually go the route anymore of, of, hey, it is going to be a press conference. It is going to be this big thing. Here's the release date similar to like Game Awards with Uncharted. Uh, I would expect that at PSX, you're going to get no release dates at all from that Sean Layden uh, thing on Friday night, the whatever they're calling it, not showcase, showcase. It's a presentation. Presentation. It's a special where presentation. Maybe, maybe Media Molecule comes out and gives you a date. Just to be like, hey, motherfuckers, here's this game. We're explaining it to you. This is the game. It is a game. And it's not just a creation tool. It's a game. I think we get a window. I don't think we get a date. I don't either. I'm molecule. just saying maybe. <laughs> and then, yeah, like I, Sucker Punch won't give you a date. I think it'll honestly be that we'll get all the way through the holidays, come back in January and probably get a date for, I would say, God of War. And then I would think if one of them is going to slip out of the first half of the year, it'd be Spider-Man. But I can totally see them hitting Spider-Man in the summer as well. Ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Kind of Funny Games Cast, episode 144. Rest in peace, Tim Gettys. All hail the new <laughs> overlord, Tom Bach. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, this show goes up on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames each and every Friday early. If you don't have any bucks to toss our way to get it early, no big deal. You can get it on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames Monday or on podcast services around the globe Monday as well. No matter where you get the show, thank you so much for watching and listening. We love making it for you. Consider supporting us on Patreon, throwing us a sub, going to Andy's house, ringing the doorbell, running away when he comes to it. He opens the door, he's in his boxers, you throw an orange at him, but one bite out of the orange. <laughs> then if you've gone as far as that, I want you to have put two eyes into the orange, Please put don't. a little fucking speaker in the orange, and it just goes, Andy! Please don't do any of that. That was a really, really long Please rant. Don't do any of that. Until next time! 
It's been our pleasure to serve you.